evidence and answers. Most women want to hear messages that tell them you're wonderful, you're beautiful, and God loves you just the way you are. But is that the message Christian women need to hear? Our author today says, stop calling me beautiful. She wants deeper messages that will build soul strength rather than good emotions. This is a message every woman, but also all men, need to hear. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, we will join Pat and his guest, Felicia Meinsheimer, as she explains what Christian women really need and want to hear from our teachers and pastors today. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, most women want to hear messages that tell them you're wonderful, you're beautiful, God loves you just the way you are. But is that the message Christian women need to hear today? Our author today says, stop calling me beautiful. She wants deeper messages that will build soul strength rather than good emotions. This is the message I think every woman, and men as well, need to hear. Felicia Masonheimer teaches Christian women how to apply faith to the realities of life. She is a blogger, podcast host, and speaker. Her writing focuses on overcoming sin and difficulty by the power of a maturing personal relationship with God. She lives in northern Michigan with her husband and children. And you can visit her at FeliciaMasonheimer.com to learn more. So, Felicia, welcome to Evidence and Answers. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, Felicia, there's a movie out there with Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt called What Women Want. But I think after mm -hmm. I read your book, you ought to write a sequel called What Christian Women Want. <laughs> well, I know it's true because we've had so much feedback on this topic from Christian women around the world, and they have all, for the most part, agreed that they are ready to go deeper and hear deeper messages about the gospel than what they've been getting thus far. Yeah, so if you write a sequel and use that title, you know, don't for, don't forget where the uh, idea came from. Uh, well, <laughs> tell us about Stop Calling Me Beautiful. I mean, why did you decide to write this book? Well, the book actually began as a blog post several years ago by a similar name. It was called Dear Women's Ministry, Stop Telling Me I'm Beautiful. And the post went viral almost overnight. We were so shocked at how much women resonated with the content that we realized this is a full-length book. This is something that needs to be talked about on a more in-depth level. Because women were saying in the comments and as they shared it, Yes, I want to hear what it really means to follow Christ, what it means to be a disciple. I don't want to just hear more about me, but with a Christian label slapped on it. And that's such an encouraging thing to hear in the modern church, to hear that women are ready to go deeper. And that's kind of where the book began. Yes. Now, your book derived from your personal experience. So share some of the wisdom you have learned about you know, leading an authentic life as a Christian woman. Yes, I experienced in my early Christian walk, growing up in a Christian home, I had access to everything I needed to walk with the Lord. But what I found provided to me as a woman in the church was a lot of content that focused on superficial or emotional issues. 
we would talk about being a beautiful daughter of the king. We talk about things like insecurity or friendship, which are practical, but there wasn't really a solid answer to how my faith in Jesus Christ played out in those things. How did I actually get victory? How did I actually know Christ on a personal level? And what did that look like day to day? Those kinds of things weren't really being taught to me. And because of that, I started digging in and asking questions, doing research to get those answers. And what I couldn't help but think as I grew in my own faith is how many women aren't going to dig that hard? How many women don't know where to start, but who want to go deeper and just don't know where to look? And so that's kind of why I wrote it. Yes. Now, at what point in your life did you decide to seek a deeper relationship with the Lord that you said, hey, I need something more than just, you know, what I'm hearing? Well, I think it's something that we're doing constantly, right? Our whole lives, we're seeking that deeper relationship. I still am here now, having been a Christian for 15 years. But I would say in early college is when I first started to own my faith in the Lord and begin to ask those hard questions of myself. You know, what does it mean to repent? What is the definition of sin to God? These hard questions that weren't being answered by a lot of books written to Christian women. And as I dug into those, I realized, you know, I do want to go deeper with the Lord. And and thankfully, the Lord is gracious, and that's where he took me. Yes, let's talk about some of the things that you discovered. I mean, in your book, there's a section on an incomplete gospel, and you state that many times we're receiving an incomplete gospel. Tell us what's often missing in the gospel message we hear from many of the popular uh, messages we hear today. So this applies to men and women today. I think that the modern Western church, at least, tends to focus on the feel-good portions of the gospel. So God loves us. He sent his son to sacrifice himself, to redeem us, to make us his own. We start there. And then we say, because God loves you, go out and love other people. The problem is, though, that's only the second half of the gospel. It's leaving off the entire first half, which is we were separated from God. We were sinful. We were not beautiful daughters of the king. And God so loved us anyway that he made a way through Christ. See, we want to cut out that uncomfortable stuff sin and repentance and seeking the Lord, we want to cut that out. But when we do that, we actually cheapen the grace of God and we cheapen the gospel and we serve people an incomplete gospel. Yes. You know, you bring up a really good point that we are indeed sinners and our sin nature is not instantly wiped away when we come to Christ. You know, it is still a battle, mm -hmm. but sin has really marred our character and even though we have the love of Christ, that sin nature is still there and causes us to, you know, conduct ourselves sometimes in very ugly ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's where understanding the Holy Spirit and sanctification, how he's, he's working out those sinful tendencies out of us as we walk with him and helping us bear the fruit of the Spirit and things like that. We have to know the whole story in order to walk in those things. But when we only give that incomplete gospel, that halfway gospel, we end up with Christians who are living a halfway faith. Correct. And it's been a long time, you know, 
since I've heard messages on sin and the need Mm. to own up, take responsibility and confess our sin and repent and turn from it, you know, in the last several years. Boy, it's been a long time since I've heard that kind of message. I think you really hit Mm. the nail right on the head there. Yeah, sin is hard to talk about. (laughs) We don't want to hear about it. I mean, if you look at the Bible itself, you look at all the books of the minor prophets, which is what we're teaching right now to our college ministry at our church. You see all this emphasis on sin and repentance and God's grace to the repentant, but the people didn't want to hear it then either. Yeah. Now you state, and I think, you know, this important section in your book that kind of sets up the rest of the book here, you know, where the message went wrong. And I feel this is an important section because it sets up, you know, the rest of the book. Tell us where and why many messages miss the mark. Well, a lot of our messages to women um, are shallow. So they're not actually concentrating on the depth of the gospel. They're not giving, again, that whole picture. They're giving just part of it. So they're surface level, shallow messages. And at first, they might seem like just what we need. They're very quotable, they're shareable, they make a good Instagram post. But when it comes to living that out day to day, there's no root there. Another problem is that they're self-centric. And this is very sneaky. It can be so hard to spot because the Bible does speak to ourselves and to our lives and to how we live in the world. So that's a reality. However, the Bible is not a manual about us. It's not a self-help book. It's a book about God, first and foremost, and we are part of God's story. When we get that flipped on its head, we end up with a Christianity and Christian books that are focused on oneself instead of focused on who God is, what he's doing, and how he's loved us and brought us into the world that he is reaching. Yes. Now, what do you mean by shallow messages? It's theologically deficient. Do women want to hear deep theological truths? Well, I think a lot of women don't know that they want to hear them. At least they don't know those terms. If you said, do you want to hear a deep theological fact? They'd probably say, no, sounds boring. (laughs) But if you were to say, do you want to know how to walk free from that besetting sin that keeps coming back around. Yes, I do. Well, to do that, you have to know some theological truths about God's grace, about sin, about justice, about repentance. And so everybody has a theology. Everybody has one. They just might not have an accurate biblical theology, or they might not be able to put it into words. And so our job as believers is to check what we believe about God and about ourselves against the word. And these shallow messages that are theologically deficient, that aren't lining up with the Bible, they aren't helping answer those questions. They feel like they are, but because they're hovering on the surface and they're not diving deep into those soul-deep problems, soul-deep struggles, we never actually reach the victory that Christ promises. Yes, and, you know, you give an example of Jesus' dialogue, you know, with the woman at the well, and how Jesus was able to communicate in a way that really brought that deep hunger for spiritual Mm -hmm. truth out from that woman to address the real issues of her needs. And Mm -hmm. how can women pastors and teachers also apply the skill that Jesus did there? I think that's a great question because Jesus, 
he's so strategic in his conversation with the woman at the well, who was a reject of society, who was the subject of racism. She was being alienated from the people who knew her based on what we know about her lifestyle. And Jesus goes directly into into that situation, into her life, and he speaks to her. He adds value to her as a human first. Then he opens this door, this conversation about her soul-deep struggles, her sin issues, her past. And that example of love and relationship and kindness being the foundation and then truth right alongside it is something that we as teachers and leaders should pay very close attention to. We live in an age where people seem to believe that in order to be kind and loving, you have to compromise truth. And in order to be truthful, you have to be angry and condescending. And Jesus is not that example. He is the perfect blend of grace and truth. And we see that portrayed beautifully in his conversation with the woman at the well. Yes, you know, that's a great uh, way you put it there. You know, second, you said the message is self focused. And I think you hit it, you know, you hit the nail right on the head in that I hear a lot of messages that are borderline self-help messages. You know, this is how God can improve your marriage. This is how God Mm -hmm. can make you happier. This is how God can make you a better worker. I think you hit it right on the head there. A lot of messages are focused on how we can improve ourselves when it really needs to be something else. Speak more to that. Well, I think that when we are struggling with certain issues like our marriages, our relationships, it can be natural to seek out those practical things to do. And hey, from a biblical perspective, God speaks to marriage, God speaks to parenting, He speaks to grief, He speaks to all of those things, and that's so wonderful. But the real question is, when your struggle's over, so say you get an answer to the problem in your marriage, are you still seeking God? Are you still seeking him as a person? And when we do these topical studies, and again, I'm not against topical studies, but if that's all we're doing, we're only coming to God for this topic and this topic, we're treating him like a manual. It's not a relationship. It's not really about God. It's about what can God give me? What can God fix for me? How can God make my life better? And we create consumer Christians who think that following Jesus is about getting the best life now. And that's not what the gospel is about. It's not what the gospel promises. And truly reframing that for people and saying, you know, discipleship is a laying down. It's a sacrifice. It's following Jesus, even when things don't turn out the way you want, or, you know, it doesn't result in the the material outcome that you hoped. Giving that expectation and really getting back to what the Bible says about the gospel, I think will help us build stronger Christians from the beginning. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to read one of your quotes here from page 34. I'm kind of barging into the middle of the paragraph here, but I'd like you to expound on it. But you, you say, reading more about ourselves won't show us how to go deeper with God because we're not focusing on the one who matters. We're still focusing on ourselves. Going deeper spiritually requires a shift of focus. We must turn our eyes away from our failures and successes, our ugliness and our God-given beauty, and instead fix our eyes on the perfection of Jesus Christ. I like that quote there. I expound on that a little bit. Well, if we think about this 
from the consumer Christian mindset. So we're coming to the Bible to learn more about us. We're coming to it to fix something quickly. There's a couple things that are going to happen. One side effect that I want to mention here is we'll get very bored with books of the Bible that we feel do not currently apply to us. So for a lot of Christians, this means ignoring most of the Old Testament. We you know, pick and choose a few passages. Maybe we want to read about David or we want to read about um, Abraham. But otherwise, we pretty much ignore the Old Testament and go to the New because it feels more practical and easy to apply. And that's a product of using the Bible in this way with the self-centric view or the self-help view. But instead, if we look at it as this is a story, a true account of who God is revealed over thousands of years through all these authors compiled together by the early fathers so that we can read it. We can read this account. It's all about God, and I get to be a part of God's kingdom and a part of God's story. What does God want to show me about himself today? When we come with that attitude, the crazy thing is it actually transforms us in the process because the transforming power of the gospel and of God is through his spirit in our inner being. And that can only happen the more we know him. It's not a pull yourself up by the bootstrapped faith. And unfortunately, that's what it's turned into when we mix the self-help narrative with the Bible. Yes, and you stayed on page 39, which which is another quote I really like. We don't go deeper with God by reflecting more on ourselves or even by reading God's Word to look for insights about ourselves. Roots of spiritual growth develop as we seek God for who He is and allow Him to do the transforming work in our hearts that we can never do on our own. He is the one who plants the desire to seek Him. He is the one who meets us when we apply diligence in faith. And so I like that quote because you're saying, you know, when we study God's word, it's just as you said, it's not about me or improving my life first and foremost. First Mm -hmm. and foremost, it's about God and learning who he is and understanding what he wants and his desire and his plan for the world and how do I match up with God's will, not how does knowing God help improve my life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's how you put that. Yeah. Although he will improve your life, but that's as we are transformed into thinking like him and in consistency with his word, not yes. the other way around. And I think that's a great point you bring up. Yes. It's interesting because when we look at like the book of Proverbs, which I'm reading right now, it talks about God's favor follows the obedient, but it's not It's not like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to do these things. So God gives me a great car and a, and a, (laughs) you know, a huge house and the American dream kind of thing. But that God's favor is his presence ultimately with us. And when we obey him, when we walk with him, when we know him, we get to benefit from his presence, however that manifests, whether we receive material blessings too, but ultimately just all of Christ for all of life. Yes. Now, I think a lot of women listening are saying, yes, I I agree. That's what I want. But many might feel intimidated. They don't have the kind of seminary training or Bible training that they feel might be needed to really go in deep and understand God's word. What's 
your advice to people who feel that they are not able to understand, you know, the deep truths of God? That's a great question. And I think so many of us have either been there or we are there right now. And so I would encourage someone to know that they're absolutely not alone in feeling a little overwhelmed by studying the Bible on their own or without a Bible study help or something like that. And I have a lot of resources on my website to help people who want to get started. But a few things I'd say right out of the gate, your church community will be so helpful to ground yourself in and ask for resources, ask for, see if you can borrow a Bible dictionary or a commentary to help you as you begin reading the Bible on your own. I always recommend the book, Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin to learn how to study the Bible on your own. And start somewhere simple, like the book of John, which isn't a simple book, but it's pretty straightforward. And Starting there will give you some confidence in reading the Bible on your own, beginning to pull those truths out. And then the last thing I'd say is we have so many great pastors and scholars and teachers available today who know Greek and Hebrew, who've done the work for us, who provide resources that we can utilize to understand the text better. I love to read the Bible background commentaries that by InterVarsity Press because they give context to what's going on in the passage. And so for people who are just starting out, I think those kinds of resources can really help them make sense of things at the beginning. Yeah, and I like what you said in your book. You know, it takes diligence. Mm-hmm. You need to show up. It is a battle, a spiritual battle. And to master God's word, I think everybody can do it. But it's hard work. It's not easy. It's hard work. You got to show up and you got to put the time in. And you're going to have to find the time to put in. I see men and women who are great at piano or the violin. Well, they didn't get there five minutes a day, quick 10-minute devotional or something. I mean, they got there hours of practice and making mistakes and Mm -hmm. going over and over again. Or, you know, I'm in athletics and I see women who play golf or, you know, in the karate gym. They're there for hours mastering the moves and learning the techniques. Uh, You don't, you know, become a golfer by watching the LPGA and then going out and shooting bar. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. And I think for some reason, we suddenly think, well, you know, when I get to God's word, the Holy Spirit's going to guide me in five, 10 minutes a day. I'm going to master God's word. No, what you're saying is right. it takes diligence. It takes hard work, but it can be done. Yep. Yes. And I think too, we tend to forget that the Bible is ancient literature, Greek and Hebrew, translated into English or whatever language that is your native language to read today. And so that means that understanding it is going to take some work because you're looking at history, you're looking at culture, and you're looking at the inspired words of God in those contexts. So every year that I read the Bible, and I read through the Bible every year from beginning to end, I find something new. I learn something new that is exciting and engaging and teaches me more about the Lord because I don't know everything, you know, I'm showing up as a student of the word and it never will get old. There's always something new to discover. So we don't have to master it all in one day. You know, we, our job is to show up diligently. Right. And just because you read a particular passage and something like Ezekiel or something, you don't get it. 
don't be discouraged and say, well, I'm going to skip the book and just read what I want. No, right. like you're saying, you know, trudge through it. You, know, you may not get it the first time, but there are things you'll get. But then the second time you read it, the third time you read it, when you discuss with other people about the book and what's it saying, then it's going to start making sense. But you got to stick with it, as you said. Yes. Yep. Those hard books, you definitely need to utilize the resources and get the help to study them, but it is so worth it. And it's funny you mentioned Ezekiel because when I first started studying the Old Testament, I asked a friend, what books do you think I study first? And Ezekiel was her recommendation. (laughs) And so I got a commentary and I did it and I was blown away by the time I was done at what I did learn about God, because I was so skeptical and so kind of afraid of it, honestly. Uh But truly, it impacted my faith a lot. And so you never know what God will use to draw you closer to Him. Yeah. And as you state, it's every believer's responsibility to know and Mm -hmm. study God's Word and and master God's Word, because it's got to be interpreted and understood correctly in its context. out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucrath.